All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 97 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday, May the 15th, 2021, and my name is Jeremy Lee. Before we get to tonight's show, I do want to thank last Saturday's guest, the highly experienced and insightful Dave Slipka. We had a great show. Check it out. It is in the archives on the YouTube channel. I also want to thank last Saturday's After Hours guest. We had Brian Gray, Leaf CEO, always entertaining, always fun to have on. Check that one out as well. I want to let you know that next Saturday's guest is another veteran insider of the hobby, Jeff Morris, formerly of Pacific Trading Cards and other things. Looking forward to having Jeff with us next Saturday. And our After Hours guest next Saturday will be a fellow content creator by the name of Ryan Nolan. Well, you'll, you'll like this guy. Trust me, he's a great dude. Also note, next Thursday, next Thursday night, we will be hosting the first annual, the, sorry, the first ever PWCC premier auction ending watch party. And joining me for some added bench strength will be Adam Gray, editor-in-chief of the Basketball Card Fanatic. And tonight on After Hours, Adam Gray, editor-in-chief of the Basketball Card Fanatic. He'll be joining me at the conclusion of this show with DJ Ski. We'll probably also go on Clubhouse later tonight. We will see how much energy I have, but keep that in mind for late night tonight after after hours. All right, a few shout outs. We just passed 2,800 subscribers. I'm grateful and thankful to each and every one of you. 2,900 is next, but I got my sights on 3,000 now. So please subscribe if you haven't yet. I wanna thank all of you who have subscribed. I appreciate your viewership and your support. Shout out to the big three hockey. Let's throw them up on the uh, ticker right now. Give these guys a follow on Instagram. Great supporters of the channel and friends. Appreciate them and everything they do to support us. Also, shout out the podcast listeners, more of you than I ever thought we'd have. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And don't forget the virtual Sport Card Expo, June 19th and 20th. I will be set up. I look forward to meeting a bunch of you there. Admission is free. I'm going to put the website up on the ticker shortly. Be sure to register and see us at the virtual Sport Card Expo, June 19th and 20th. As you know, guys, tonight, as always, your, your comments, your questions are in play. Don't be shy. Throw them at us. By us, I mean myself and DJ Ski. So let's get to it right now. All right, guys. Tonight's guest, he had his first taste of sports cards in the early 1990s when he was hunting for Kirby Puckett's and Ken Griffey Jr.'s in the early upper deck baseball sets, early 90s. He took some time off the hobby when he immersed himself in the world of music. He even sold everything to support himself when he moved out to Los Angeles. He got back into cards about four to five years ago. And in October 2020, along with his partners, opened up the innovative Cards and Coffee on West Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. His favorite teams are, the, are all of Minnesota, the Timberwolves, the Twins, the Vikings, and the Wild. Favorite athletes are Kirby Puckett, Kevin Garnett, and Ken Griffey Jr. Born in New York City, raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and currently hailing from Los Angeles, California. Let's bring him out. DJ Ski, Scott Keeney, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. It's a great day and uh, probably the best day in Timberwolves history. The one, uh, the one, one good day to actually reflect on. Speaking of all those Minnesota sports teams with KG, so. I know, man. What, what you know? And I know we talked before, and you mentioned he's one of your favorite athletes. Yeah. I mean, congrats to you. Congrats to the state of Minnesota, the Timberwolves. I watched the ceremony this uh, this afternoon, and um, he was all class. What a guy! What a career! Really happy for you, him and everybody who who had a stake in his career. So congrats to to all you guys on that. Of course, of course. Yeah, Minnesota, we got one, so I love it. Anything is possible, KG. KG, man, yeah, he's, he's one cool cat for sure, for sure. All right, listen, let, let's get right into it. I mean, 
you know, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you. Uh, you know, you reached out to me and I got to say, when I saw your name come up on my Instagram uh, inbox, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. DJ skis. I'm on his radar. How does that happen? Why don't we start? I'm actually going to ask you that question. How did I get on your radar in the first place? How did you hear about sports cards live? Man, fan of the show. There's a lot of people that have been talking about it and watching it, and I got to check it out. Shout out to like my boy Scott from Knox. There's there's a few great people that that really watch the show consistently, and uh, you know, and looking at things to to get involved in, and started paying attention, and um, really enjoy everything that you're doing. So I thought it might be fun to to come on here and talk some cards. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you did. That was that was a that was a, a fun a fun message to receive for myself and. You were very gracious to accept my invitation afterwards. So let's get into a bit about your history. I mean, I just mentioned that, you know, your first taste of cards were in the early 90s. You were hunting down the Griffies, uh, the Kirby Puckets in the early 90 upper deck. But tell us a bit about your history in the hobby. What got you into it? And uh, take us through, if you can, right through till what you're doing now hobby wise. Sure. So I moved to Minnesota when I was about five years old and my first memory of sports was the 91 twins. So, you know, it's just like 30 years ago now, which is crazy. So, um, you know, uh, like ever since, like I was fortunate enough to go to those world series and that's kind of what got me hooked into sports. So immediately I dove into everything around sports culture and sports cards were, it was the heyday of that, right? Like that's what was, was happening. And that was the easiest way for me as a connect, as a kid to connect with, my favorite sport. So after that, I was just running around to all the hobby shops, you know, every day I was fortunate enough when there was one, you know, about a block and a half from, from my house. So I just would hang out there and it got, it helped, you know, teach me a lot of entrepreneurial skills, or right? it was my first business. I was trying to sell things off of my porch or in my garage. Right. And, uh, you know, probably not that successful at the time, but a lot of good learning lessons. I mean, there's a lot of great learnings that kids can have, for, for life from cards, right? Like you can get really excited about ones and overpay and fall into the hype. You can be really strategic. You can, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good lessons, holding on, being patient. Um, and plus it's, it's a lot of fun, right? It's a way we get to interact with, with our favorite athletes and favorite sports. And, you know, the 1991 World Series are what hooked me into like winning that championship, getting that feeling. It was like, the high of a drug, right? Like I haven't done drugs. So I don't know what a high like is like. But they say like you get that first high and you're always searching for it. So I feel like I'm still 30 years later searching for some kind of championship in Minnesota. But sports cards are kind of at the center of how I, I'm able to, another way that I'm able to interact with that. So, so you ended up moving out to LA from Minnesota to pursue your music career, which is kind of what made you a, a celebrity. Is that, that's right. Yeah. And so when you mentioned to me that you know you sold everything to move out there because you needed money to get out there to support yourself was that was that an easy decision for you or you, did you love the cards was it tough to move were they the last thing you sold the first thing you sold and and did you kind of forget about the hobby take us a bit through the transition to la Sure. So when I was a, when I was a teenager, I really got focused on music. And as soon as I started DJing, I just knew that's what I was going to do. Like that was my calling. And when I got the opportunity to, when I was 17 years old to, to leave high school early and work for the CEO of Loud Records and Sony Music, um, Steve Rifkin, uh, who gave me a job after I sent him a proposal on what he was doing wrong with his label. Um, I, yeah, I didn't, you know, I had to move to LA and my first job wasn't, you know, paying very well. And, and LA is not a cheap city to, to live in, especially coming from Minnesota. So A, I didn't have room, but B, I needed the, the funds. So I sold, you know, everything from cards to, you know, a ton of memorabilia that I'd collected over, over the years. And, you know, uh, but you know, at that point I was focused on, on, on making it the music career. And I figured like, all right, if I'm successful, I'll be able to get all this stuff back one day. So, yeah. 
Fair enough, man. So four to five years ago, you you get back into the hobby. How did cards get back on your radar? Sure. So I've been collecting memorabilia, you know, kind of slowly since then, right? Like, and you, you can see behind me, and this is kind of a, a very small piece of, of some of the things that I've had. And is, in doing that, I wanted to start getting back some of those cards that, that I wanted. One of my favorite cards ever was the 94 Upper Deck Ken Griffey Jr. Electric Diamond. It's a picture of him. I actually have it right. Let's see where it is, right behind my thumb of yeah. him scaling the wall. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of defense. I actually loved Griffey's defense more than his offense in baseball. I played center field and I just loved that picture. And I loved the electric diamond foil design. It was one of the early foil designs that you'd see in cards from that. And it's not an extremely valuable card by any sense of the imagination, but I start, I love the, you know, I started getting cards to kind of display with my memorabilia and really saw, you know, and I, I, you know, what was happening on kind of the groundswell. I think one of my unique talents, if you look at my career, has been identifying trends early on, whether it's artists and, and musicians or, tr you know, cultural trends or products and things like that. And kind of saw that, that sports cards were, were ripe for a comeback based on kind of everything that I saw. So started paying more and more attention to it uh, over, over that time and slowly diving back into it. So, so that's about four to five years ago. And then last year, October, 2020, you, along with a couple of partners opened up cards and coffee. Yep. Absolutely. Sports card shop, West Hollywood Boulevard. I, I have to ask, I mean, for a lot of people, it's a, it can be a childhood dream to open up a sports card store. You know, uh, I did it. I did it in my early twenties after wanting to do it as a young kid, it was a childhood dream. Uh, it's almost becoming a, a renewed childhood dream, but for you, was it a childhood dream for you to do that or did it just sort of come along and by you know, as far like by virtue of other type of circumstances? I mean, kind of both, right? Like it was my first business. I always wanted to have it. And that's what I was doing. You know, initially it was like selling cards on my porch and garage going back to that. So, you know, I thought I had a store when I was eight years old. And and so it was a great way to, to bring that to life. The, the opportunity kind of arose in a unique way. I got connected with Dan Fleischman, who had this idea and was going to open a card shop at the W Hotel in, in Hollywood, right on Hollywood and Vine. And I, we have, uh, and Dash, we have a 25, our headquarters, we have a 25,000 square foot uh, space on Hollywood Boulevard at Vine and Coanga. And one of those spaces that we have is a storefront retail space that we use as a pop-up shop for different brands. Well, when the pandemic hit, obviously <laughs> there was no pop-ups and nothing going on. So I'd started looking into it and I was like, hey, do I just do like a ski sports gallery that was initially going to be cards, memorabilia? I, I was just like, hey, let's do something cool here. Um, I heard that Dan was looking for that and we coincidentally got connected at the same time. And I was like, hey, come to our space. Our space is actually a lot better than where the, the, the space that you're looking at at the W was. He saw it and was, was blown away. And then we just clicked instantly from that. And we had a mutual friend with Aoki who was really diving deep into the hobby and wanted to get involved in a way. So we decided to come together and, and put this on. And it was great for me because, you know, with, with everything I have going on, I don't have the time to operate or, 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 or patience to deal with the day-to-day -day operations of a business like that right now. So they were able to kind of, you know, Dan was able to really take lead and, and build and focus focus on on building that and he's they've done a great job over there so all right so yeah sounds good man so before we die i want to dive in a little bit more into cards and coffee and then i do want to talk about your participation in the tops project 70 uh set you, you've obviously you're one of the artists in there so we're going to get to that before we do sort of tradition i just want to welcome some people to the show we got eric perry we got terry fortune ot and sports cards sports cards live life is good you bet terry you bet Dennis Lescombe, yeah, just watched the Kobe speech. I watched the Kobe speech too. It was very touching. Uh, his wife, uh, 
Vanessa did a wonderful job. I was actually expecting to hear uh, Michael Jordan speak, but but he didn't. That was a little bit, uh, I don't know if he did last night or not. Rocco Rosado, good evening to you. Let's have a 23 DJ ski daddy of a good time tonight. Ben Carlos, perfect follow-up to an incredible Hall of Fame ceremony. Good to see you, Ben. Frank Ostella, happy to have you. Frank, uh, the, the, the party on Thursday is going to start at 7, 7 p.m. Mountain, so 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern for the PWCC Premier Auction. Bobby Burrell, good evening. We got Dustin from the Personal Finance Dad. Great to have you. Jeff McMahon, thanks a lot, Jeff. Appreciate that. PSA Slab Guy, welcome. We got Dave Slipka back for another week. Dave, great to have you. Mickey, good evening. Al G, Tracy Shamer, good evening. Yamwax says, Shinder's cards represent the late, great Minneapolis card shop. There you go. Yes, that's where I was going. I used to go there all the time. That was the first card shop I went to. You know, I, I told you the other night, I've got family in, uh, in Minneapolis in, in uh, St. Louis Park. And I used to go there every summer for about a week and hang out with them. And we used to go to some, I used to take in some Twins games. And I, used to, I went one time to a card shop. I wonder if that was the one. It might have been. It might have been. Was. It probably was. There was a couple great ones, man. Back in the glory days, there were so many cool ones. And I just remember digging through those boxes and trying to find what was out there and buying packs. It was so much, so much fun. Yeah, I, I'm curious how like what is the scene like as far as you remember back then, and even now, you you I know you still do a lot of work there. What's the card scene like there in terms of shops? Yeah, I mean, like, look, it went through like uh, in, in Minneapolis. I you know I, I, a lot of the stuff closed down. Like all those places I grew up went down or evolved from that. So uh, you know the, the scene, and and that's what's you know there's a few obviously a couple that are still standing, and there's a couple new entrants. I know a couple of people that have opened them in um, in Minnesota over the past you know year or so, and I haven't been able to, to visit them since the pandemic hit. And and I think you're going to see a whole resurgence, a whole new generation of, of of stores, and that's kind of what we tried to do with cards and coffee. I think that you know if you look at a lot of the the legacy stores out there, they're they're great, but we think that there was also room for or a card shop that appealed to this type of demographic and generation. And that's really where we tried to, to kind of play with cards and coffee. You know, we have great relationships. And for me, like we work, you know, across borders with everybody. And, you know, we tried to create something really unique for this very specific demographic. It's, you know, one big thing that, one thing that's really important to me is, embracing and bringing in other kids and, and new communities to to the hobby um, to showcase them and to you know because it's a passion of mine it, it really helped me out in, in my life along the way and it's tremendously fun and uh, you know I want I want other kids to experience that same magic so it was really important for us to reach out and kind of connect with this generation and, and the touch points that they and the places that they live. It's awesome, man. I mean, and it's important. We'll get into that a little bit later in terms of the future of the hobby and the next generation, because I know that's something you're passionate about. I want to say, want to welcome Jason Pringle. We got Joseph Polanski says Aaron Rodgers just retired. Don't know if it's if it's true or not, but hey, thanks so. for the information. A Vikings fan. Yeah, there, there you go. Steve, sir, good evening. We got we got Card Canucks Charles here. JSUT, good evening. Sanderson to Orr. Steve Foley in South Florida. Zach Danner is here. Steve Tingwall, what's up, party people? Colin Murray, good evening. Chad Shipper reminds everybody to hit that like button. Greatly appreciated. So does Bobby Burrell. Thank you, fellas. Much appreciated. So, okay, so I'm going to call you Scott. Scott, tell us a little bit more about about the part. So you you said you you kind of hooked up with Dan Fleischman. It was his idea. You partnered up with Steve Aoki. What's Tell us a bit about these guys. I don't know much about them, to be honest, I, except from what I see on Instagram and through the hobby, only through Cards and Coffee, really. Tell us a bit about these guys and uh, what do they bring to the table for the for the shop as well as, as yourself? 
Sure. So, so Dan, you know, I, I got connected with, he's a serial entrepreneur and, you know, he had been exploring opening a shop as he had kind of the same vision. He saw there being an opportunity to reach a new demographic and go into new areas with the hobby. And that's really what he's, he was focused on in terms of the market. Um, you know, he'd been going to the national the last couple of years and amassing, you know, he has a crazy collection. So if nothing else, it was a great way for him to display, you know, seven figures of cards that, that he has. And Aoki is a mutual friend of both of ours. I've known Aoki for probably 15 years, 16 years. Um, and he, Dan goes back with him coincidentally and Aoki really started getting into it. And obviously uh, Steve has, you know, massive just visibility worldwide. And Steve's real background, he was, he started to get into sports cards and, you know, his real sweet spot is the other side too, is like the Pokemon cards. That's what he grew up with. That's kind of his sector. So, you know, and with, with cards and coffee, it's, we have the the coffee breakers, which is focused on sports. And that's kind of the area that I play in and really understand. And we have the pokey breakers, which Aoki really helps promote and push and is kind of his lane. And as I was never into like Pokemon myself personally, I understood and, and respect it. But for me, it was always, it was always sports. And, and so it felt like a good partnership as we were trying to kind of bring in this new generation and, and bring eyes on to that and kind of take advantage of this, this friendship. And, you know, Dan has a great skill of on, on the business side of knowing how to operate and scale a business. And that's why the, the, what they've been, what they've been able to do on the coffee breaker side, basically running two streams, pretty much 24 seven, one, the coffee breakers and the pokey breakers is, you know, it's, it's, and by the way, it's a grind. Like anybody that's out there that's tried to do breaks themselves, like, it's not easy dealing with customer service, making sure the orders are right, shipping off every card. I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of cards. And, you know, right now, one of the biggest challenges is just identifying inventory. And we have a few people hired whose jobs are just driving around town, searching online, bidding on auctions to, to get inventory to, to, you know, satisfy the consumers that we have. So, in, as far as the shop goes, what do you see for the future? I mean, I, I've heard a bit about I've heard a bit about some potential growth happening. Speak a bit to that and what what you see as far as like the long term vision of you and, and your partners for Cards and Coffee. Yeah, for us, I mean, we wanted to create a for for us for me, it was like a fun passion project first and foremost. Like this this whole hobby is fun for me, so I wanted to you know I'm fortunate enough in my career where I don't need to do things and I don't operate just solely based on financial decisions and financial pictures. I want to do things that, that are fun and exciting. So it checks that, that bucket first and foremost. And it's coincidentally, like, you know, again, going back to it, we wanted to create a new type of store the same way that like, you know, again, a lot of things that are happening right now with cards remind me what happened early on with sneakers. And if you look at what happened with sneakers, there were all these stores and old legacy stores that, that had been around. And then a new wave of stores kind of came in led by brands like Undefeated and these newer kind of, you know, boutique retailers that were targeting kind of a different audience, targeting a very exclusive audience, very young, very active. And, you know, I thought that there, we thought that we all agreed that there was a big opportunity in the card space to fulfill that. And especially with, you know, retail having tremendous amount of troubles just with COVID and lockdowns, we decided like, look, there's an opportunity right here to, to double down. And we just opened up in Salt Lake City, which is supposed to be, I haven't been out to the store yet there, but it's supposed to be amazing. And there's plans to, to open more uh, later on this summer and, and throughout the year. And we just want to have these touch points all over to give kids a great way to interact with cards. And it's a fun environment. We want to be very welcoming to everybody. We don't want it to be intimidating for people to come in. I think that there's a lot of places that might, you know, 
be almost like you almost have to know before you get in. We think it's important to be very accessible to people that don't know about cards and want to walk in, as well as have, you know, the fun goodies for, for all of us card nerds to, to, to geek out on. Yeah, just, just to, to gawk at them too, right? I mean, I, I know you guys have some pretty nice cards on display there. I found there's one picture. I'm going to put it up on the screen right away here that I found of the inside of the store. It's a special feature wall that you guys had done by uh, Gregory Sip, who's also a Tops artist. He was part of Project 2020, also part of Project 70, I believe. I'm going to bring it up right now. Let's have a look at this. And maybe you can just talk to us a bit, kind of a bit about what inspired it. And uh, yeah, whatever you can tell us about it. So here's, here's an article I found. And, uh, you know, this is the wall. This is sort of, it, it, it's his style of art. You've got all these different symbols on the on the wall here what can you tell us about about this piece that he uh, put on the wall for you guys so it's great so it really represents what the store is about what the hobby is about and you see everything from the 86 fleer mj to the 2020 zions to you know the mantle rookies to you know different logos of, of different companies and leagues and things that we're all about you'll see kobe up there you'll of course see uh dan aoki and myself pictures up there pictures of some other people in the hobby um sports related things uh you know we, we did a tribute to some of the fallen friends that we've had along the way from like nipsey and so forth uh we have numbers that represent different sports things. Of course, a lot of LA representation in there since this is our store on Hollywood. So yeah, you know, we kind of let, we gave Gregory, uh, you know, he's an incredible artist and a world-renowned street artist. Uh, before he was doing the cards, that's why the, the cards kind of came to him. So we thought it was a great fit when we opened to have him kind of come do this wall. And he went out to Salt Lake City and did the wall out there as well. Oh, really? That's awesome. So you've got yeah. that consistency now between the locations. That, that's, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, very great. cool. We want to, yeah, so, we okay. make so it feels like, you know, if you go to one, you feel like you're, you've been to the, to them all, you know? Well, that's, that's what good branding is. Right. So I think that's a great play. Uh, okay. So let's, let's uh, segue into what you're doing with, with tops and project 70 yourself. So um, before we show a few of the cards you've done, tell us a little bit about how you got involved. How, how does that work? Does tops reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? Is it a referral thing? What's that process like for a guy like you to get involved with a project like Project 70? Sure. So I'd known a bunch of the artists that were in it last year. And when I first saw the announcement, um, I think it was like February of last year or early, early 2020 of, of, of Project 20, I thought it was a genius. I loved the concept because I'm a big art collector as well. And the I loved the concept of taking these classic baseball cards and getting artists to reinterpret to them and put their own ways on them and creating these like premium, higher quality stock things with it and kind of merging these worlds. So I, I was naturally a fan of the project like day one when I saw it, I was like, that's super like genius idea, something that everybody else is going to copy. And uh, and I think the, the depictions came out crazy and ended up connecting with Tops, and they asked me to host uh, some artist interviews last year for them. They wanted to start introducing this car these cards and these projects to fans of uh i guess the artists and to also giving them like this kind of breakdown on who these artists were so i came in and you know we started doing interviews i think the first one was with mr cartoon who's like a big brother and, and mentor to me he was one of the first people that took me in when i moved to la and really showed me the rope so we have a long 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 history um got to connect with people like gregory and put him on sophia chang um incredible artists like jk5 like it was really fun and as they were doing that i was i, I of course interact with tops and i was like i love this project if you guys ever do anything like it in the future 
would just let me know. Like, I would love to get down. And then they were like, well, next year, here's what's coming if you'd be interested. And then I was like, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it took me a second. Then it jumped in. I was like, all right, I've got to really figure out a, a theme to to make this unique and, and fit me. And that's kind of why I went with this for all my cards, this like remix with music, culture, sports, combining all of those at that intersection. And it's played out perfectly. So well, let's take a look at some, some of the cards that you've done. I know you did your fourth card just dropped, I believe a few, well, about a week ago now, it was the, uh, the Honus Wagner. Yeah. But before we get, let's look at the other ones up first. So they're all going to show up on the screen at the same time here. So I believe uh, the first one you did was was Byron Buxton, then Satchel Paige, and then the Babe Ruth. So take us through these cards and just give us a bit of a a bit of a an explanation as to what what inspired these specific designs on each card. What are some of the elements in here that uh, that really are special to you? Sure. So with me, I came up in the on the DJ side in the mixtape era. So we'd have to design our own cover in Photoshop and do like these really, you know, graphical things to get people's attention. It was like making a CD cover to get people to buy that. So art art has always been kind of in my blood. And when I got the opportunity for Tops to do this project, I didn't think it would make sense if it was just like me drawing art. And I didn't think consumers would understand like, wait, why is he doing this? What is that? What does that represent? And for me, I was like, well, let me like I was like all right this I need to remix all these cards with with music right like that's my foundation and the people that don't know me it's obvious me being a DJ putting a music theme in all these cards made all the sense in the world and it was funny because I remember I came up with the idea for it and then two weeks later um one of the project 2020 cards dropped Don C dropped a card of Doc Gooding is Dr. K instead of Dr. Dre and I was like no that's my idea everybody's gonna think I, I bit him for it but Don's my guy and uh you know he was doing pop culture things so he did one music one but that that theme kind of just was a natural fit for me so what I wanted to do was take you know players and artists and put them together but really like dive deep in the stories so the interesting thing about this project is that Tops gives you a list of of the players that you can work with. Of course, there's any player that's current that's covered by MLBPA rights and then retired ones, they have to go out and get the rights and they have the, the rights for a majority of players out there. So when I got this list, I was just like a kid in the candy shop, right? Like I was able to, and I remember I, I dug through it. I was like, all right, I got my list. And then I sat back and looked at it and I had like a hundred players that I'd chosen. And I was like, the toughest thing is going to be cutting this down because, you know, it was so much fun. So I really delve into ones that told stories for me. So the first one I dropped was was the, the Babe Ruth one. And that Babe was important to me because it paired, you know, I tried to pair for my first card. I wanted to do it big, the, the most famous baseball player of all time with the most famous probably rapper of all time, Jay-Z. So it's themed with Jay-Z's blueprint and a little you know, homage to Reasonable Doubt, his debut album on there as well. That's why it has the blue theme. And it was personal to me because uh, I was born in New York. It was the perfect thing to start. And there's a lot of like eerie similarities, like Babe Ruth won seven World Series since the Jay-Z's been alive. The Yankees have won seven World Series. Jay-Z raps about making the Yankee fat hat more famous than a Yankee did. And Babe Ruth is the one, first one to make that NY hat so famous. They're both like kind of the undisputed. There's, there's so many. They both wore like the top hats and, you know, have their pic, famous pictures with cigars and like all these layers. So it just felt so, so good and so right for that. So that was kind of the inspiration for the first one. The second one was Satchel Page and Nas. So growing up, um, I did a report on Satchel Page, and that made me just, you know, become 
one, you know, a, a super fan of his. What he did in, statistically and in, in, in baseball is second to none. I mean, in my mind, he's the greatest pitcher of all time. And, you know, he's a lot of people don't know who he, he was because he didn't make it to the major leagues until he was in his late 40s because of segregation in the Negro Leagues. And I thought there was a great kind of story to tell with, you know, Nas and Illmatic being probably the most iconic hip hop album of all time and kind of pairing those two. There's, again, a lot of different similarities. And then for my third one with with Buxton and DMX, I needed to, of course, do a Minnesota twin uh, yeah. as, as that was my lifeblood. And Buxton was off to a, just such a strong start of the season. And DMX had just passed away so i wanted to pay tribute to him for that and and pay tribute to dmx's first two album covers and like coincidentally again when you start digging in like there's always something eerie in these signs that point you that this is right so they both happen to be like buxton and dmx i was looking for somebody with an x in their nickname or name and believe it or not in baseball there's not very many there and there's not many with like dog nicknames i mean i thought of like fred mcgriff the crime dog you know mo vaughn the hit dog you could kind of pull in but when I saw DMX and then Bucks, it just fit. They were both born. They share the same birthday. I thought this picture that that Byron has, uh, you know, is for it's from a game last year when he he hit, and he's just so, he's to me the most exciting player in baseball when he's healthy to watch because his speed, his fielding, he's the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen in my life, and this the picture was so much emotion. It was a big Twins game when he beat out an infield, a routine ground ball sing, single for a game-winning walk-off run. There was two outs. He hits a single. There's a runner on third, and he beats out just this thing. And the, the emotion there reminded me of DMX. So, you know, I really try to play homage to that. And I also do these really cool playlists with each card where I break down all the inspiration musically from that with this playlist and talk about all of the the kind of the hidden things in the card. Like in the Satchelmatic card, we'll put – five mics hidden there's five mics hidden in that because Illmatic got five mics which is like the the best review that a, a, an album can get in in hip-hop so you scan the qr code on the on the back of them and it actually takes you to uh, a unique playlist that breaks down the card so it really brings the card and the stories to life uh, that's really cool man you know uh ben carlos who's in the audience he, he i put this up before but he says the buxton dmx and satchel nas cards are incredible he goes on to say here uh i, I was wondering what what HOV album inspired the Babe Ruth, uh, the Blueprint Reasonable Doubt is genius. So it's, I think it's great to have you on here just to talk about this. And in a way, it's kind of, it's kind of too bad that you still have, what are you, are you doing 20 cards altogether? 20 cards altogether. 20 cards. So you got 16 more to come and we're only, we're only going to hear about four of them tonight, but why don't you, if you can, can you tell us what's coming down the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, like, look, there's a couple obvious ones. If you know anything about me, like, you can kind of guess a couple of the players in there. So, like, it's, you know, you put together the dots. So I won't go through those. But I'm really excited because there's going to be my next one drops. Um, I don't think I've announced it next Friday. Or this, I should say this Friday now. So in about six days. And and they're only available for 70 hours. So mark a timer on it. And this one's going to be really, really big. It's, you know, it takes, you know, one of the most iconic cards ever there's you know or or one of the most iconic players ever and takes kind of what their true rookie card is there's nobody's the first three cards that i did in my set no artist had done them somebody has done this this player has been done in the series but nobody has done kind of a remix of this very specific like rookie card that i have in there so i'm very very excited people are gonna like it and the music tie-in is um it's kind of coincidental based on name but it's a, a, a huge, 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 huge artist. So 
I think people are going to go crazy when this one when this one drops. But later on, I mean, we have so many fun things planned throughout the year. The biggest challenge is just figuring out which ones to do. I can only do you know twenty, which which sucks. I want to do a whole. I want to do a hundred of these. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, well, we'll have to talk about having you back once this project is over, and then you can take us through all the inspirations behind all of them. So, can I take a guess at the card? Because I, I think I might own the card you're talking about. That Let's is go. that is the one. I'm gonna I'm gonna just sort of put it up and see if I might be right or not. Oh man, Damn, am I, I right? Added hints. That's that's it. I got it right. That's the one. <laughs> My lips are sealed, but I, I'm apparently pretty bad at it, it, it being subtle with things. So well. You, it's a yeah. beautiful card, by the way. Beautiful card, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about the Mickey Mantle, true rookie, the 51 Bowman versus the 52 Tops, which is obviously among the most iconic cards, um, if not the most iconic card in the hobby. So, Yeah, and the 51 is was first, right? Like yeah. that's what, you know, and it's almost cool. And it, it's been under the radar, so. So people might be wondering, how does Jeremy just have his mantle 51 Bowman yeah, sitting there? Yeah, it's hard to just have sitting there. I was like, right? wait, what? I was like, you're not going to have it. I didn't think you'd be just sitting there with a 51 mantle casually. Right. Well, I be, because on, on After Hours, my show after this one tonight um, with, with Adam Gray, we're going to be talking a bit about the Hall of Fame ceremony. So I pulled out a box of my best cards for that. And so and that card is like right at the front of that of that shoebox. So I hope was, so. Yeah, it was just ready to go. So That's amazing. I'm going to bring the screen back on one more time because uh, we haven't shown your most recent card, which is this one right here, the Honus Wagner. And I, I, I got to say, I love this card. I love how he's wearing shades. Talk a bit about this one. Sure. So I wanted to do when I when I saw the list, there, there was a couple players that I asked for. Number one was Satchel Page, which I broke down because of that story. Um, and they went out and Topps actually didn't have the rights to Satchel. They went out and did it. So big shout to Topps. I mean, they've done a great job of coming through. And, you know, we we put in requests for, for people that aren't on there. And, and Honus happened to be on there. And so he was like a no brainer. I mean, just being a card buff, right? Like the most iconic card in, in the world is the T206. And uh, you know, I have a I have a T206 Cobb ooze it back. I, I love the cigarette cards and just like anything that old is so cool. And, uh, you know, this is one card I, I don't have. I don't have a T206 Honus. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this this my own. And I thought it would just be so iconic. And when I started figuring, trying to figure what to do, I wanted to to just keep that iconic card and image. So we do full size cards. So I basically laid it out. So it's the, the cigarette car, card and the Honus picture is true to life of the real T206 card. But I wanted to have fun with it. I really wanted to make it lighthearted. So Honus is repping Pittsburgh and probably the biggest musical artist uh, to come out of Pittsburgh ever is Wiz Khalifa. Um, and Wiz is a good friend. I've known Wiz for, for 15 years. He reps Pittsburgh better than anybody else. And he's made the theme song for the city that they play at every sports game, whether it's Penguins, Steelers, or Pirates, black and yellow. So it just fits so much. And there was always, I look at you know, the Honus Wagner is the Mona Lisa of sports cards. And there's always this image that I've loved of the Mona Lisa where, you know, people like there's a, where like an artist put like the, the sunglasses on her. And I was just thought that it was like a very playful, fun image. So I wanted to, do, to kind of do that. And it was inspired. I took um, two of Wiz's album covers. One is um, Cushion OJ, which is kind of his best known fan favorite mixtape. And that's probably the main inspiration for the card. That's why it has the orange in the bottom corner. I tried a glass of orange juice, but it didn't come as much. So we put the card um, and it's, it's inspired. That's what the beads in the left are from. Like if you look at his album cover, it will look 
very similar. He has like plants in the background. So we have the, the green plant, which also alludes to some Alan and Ginter, T, you know, T206 style cards that Topps has put out. And I put the shades uh, and the P chain because uh, Wiz has this ginormous uh, Pittsburgh shaped P chain. Um, so we put it in there and I wanted it to be to look like a picture like it was sitting on on a table and that's why it has a little yeah. depth it's on top of like what looks to be a cigarette pack and i took the 1987 card design from tops which has that wood border and i inverted it i was like let's put the wood border inside and coincidentally just like to, to, to do more storytelling honus wagner is the first player that had his own signature bat so the wood also kind of represents that in, in a secondary way and that's why i engraved this ski in the top my logo almost in the same style as a bat and so i inverted that and then we put the black and yellow border which is taken directly from Wiz's black and yellow um album artwork so that's how it came together it just felt right and it was a little it was really really fun and Wiz is just so chill and, and low-key I thought I thought it would just be a fun fun project so right on uh, I I love this one and to be honest it's the only project 70 card that I bought so far so ah, it's on it, man. it's on the way dude I, Honus and Shades I mean how can you go wrong with that you, you can't so it's so excited fun. about that's that important, right? right? Like I wanted to do something that just looks cool and is fun. And this one is real fun and playful. And then you like dive deep and you realize, oh, everything is there for a reason. It's not just sitting there for design. Like every little thing alludes to something else. And there's, there's so many layers to it that we really try to storytell. And we try to dive deep and tell it on the, those kind of companion playlists that come with the back of the card. But if nothing else, it's just something really fun. And Oh, and, and my favorite feature about it. Sorry, I didn't even mention this. So in that top border, I didn't want to leave it just as the traditional orange border. I wanted to fill it in with something. So it says two things. It depends on how you read it. And yeah. there's two buyers for this card. There's people that are sports card fans. So they probably see, like you see T206 above him. Now, if you're a music fan and a fan of Wiz, you know, Wiz has an album called T-God. Taylor Gang is his kind of crew and album. So he has an album called T-God. So again, this just shows how it all kind of comes together. The T, I was able to take like the T206 and write it in a way where the two can look like a G. The T and the O are, are obviously the, the same. And the the D also looks like a six because it's in, in cursive. So that's actually my favorite feature on all the cards is that, you know, it kind of shows you it appeals to both cultures and both worlds. And that's really where I'm trying to sit at the center with, with all these cards and all these projects that I do. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I thought it was so awesome. And I saw a picture somewhere where there was actually a slice of orange sitting on top of, of this sort of card. I guess that's how you were putting together the concept. And it, I can just see how you how you were inspired and uh, and then how you you brought it all together. I think it's a wonderful looking card. I'm going to scroll down on your site here because you do show a bit about the companion cards. Yeah. So here we go. So tell us a bit about uh, these two over here. Yeah, perfect. So we do on our own um, really limited runs of of these cards that we sell kind of in this premium foil for for the super fans. So the main Tops Project 70 cards are available for 70 hours and it's print to order, meaning that if, you know, one person orders it, they print one. If a million people, they print a million. These are kind of the different are different. We number them out of 399. And we put them in just like extremely high quality foil, high quality casing and packaging. And, you know, we wanted to create something that's a fun kind of companion for the original. So if you look at the center one, that's the, the Babe Ruth kind of companion card. And it's inspired called BR3. And it's inspired by, if you look up Jay-Z's Blueprint 3 album, that was called BP3, 
which is the third of, you know, the first, the main card is inspired by blueprint. BP three is basically the same image, but instead of baseball equipment, like I, I put in there, it's all musical equipment. And it has the three lines for that. Babe Ruth's number is three. The card in project 70 was number three. Um, so we created this really cool. That's actually my favorite card that I think I've done so far is that Babe Ruth companion more so than the other ones, especially if you see the other color and we'll also do random foil inserts. So the main one is a red foil. We'll do 70 gold inserts and 10 platinum ones, keeping with the record plaque themes. If you flip the cards around on the backside, they're actually made to look like a record plaque that you're awarded if you hit certain sales milestones. Um, for the ones to the left of that, it's the Satchelmatic B-side. So the original Satchel card is the front of a cassette. It even has the, it even has like the, the little price on, you know, I'll hold it up. Yeah, you can scroll up. So it's, it's basically the, the cutout of a cassette. So if you look at that, it's, and the, this one is the back of that. So it has the, the holes for the cassette, the back of the cassette oh. casing. Um, instead of a track list, it has all of Satchel's crazy names for pitches. That's why you see the Midnight Crawler, the Nothing Ball, Thoughtful Stuff, Jump Ball, the B-Ball, the Hesitation Pitch. Satchel was known as this eccentric character and had so many crazy pitches that he would get people out with. So instead of a track listing, we put all of Satchel's infamous pitches there, as well as a bunch of like little secret things to Nas. I think Satchel, again, is the greatest of all time so there's a nas album cover with him with this hood on so we put a goat with the hood on and put sp instead of the nas and you know put a little lots of little tributes that kind of combine for that but these are just really high-end limited runs for the super fans and collectors that we just sell on our own directly on djski.com that we work really hard with and just the quality i mean they're really like pieces of art and we try to keep them super exclusive and limited we've been fortunate enough where they've all sold out you know in just a couple minutes every time that we've put them up so it's a real they're really really fun fun cards for those that want to dive deep I didn't notice that this was that had the holes for the cassette on it. That is, I mean, and those aren't actual holes. Those are just that's just the graphic. But yeah, it's just it, the graphic. And then the, the whole card is foil. And again, it's the same different color foils. But if you look at the 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 like, you still have like the um the sticker on the side, so it looks like it's a cassette. It looks like it's a cassette from you know 1993. That's 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 just awesome. How it's really uh, personal to you, and you're you know. Bringing, bringing you to the card. I think that's really cool. Now that I have it zoomed in, I want to take a, another look at uh, at this guy here. I thought those three horizontal lines were to do with the ease in, in ski. Ooh, it's a good one. Yeah, because I do have kind of my name. I had, You know what? I didn't even realize that. I do have the negative space in the in my ski logo, as you can kind of see up top. Um, yeah. No, it's from the, the, if you look at the Jay-Z album, it's the, the Blueprint 3 album says, you know, it says Jay-Z where it says ski. It says BP3 where it says BR3. And he has pictures of all these musical equipment. So we put pictures. Of course, we can't use the official like names and logos. So it says New York, not Yankees. And uh, because these were, we're kind of doing independently. And that's why you see all the, you know, the, the baseball memorabilia behind it instead of the music one and the same three lines that Jay has on the, on the album cover. So, And is Topps okay with you and the other artists doing these companion cards? Do they encourage it? Yeah. yeah. So tops has been great, right? Like a lot of artists did it last year and they've, they've supported it, you know, as long as we're, it's just other pieces of art that help shine visibility on the project. And we're doing these again, all out of three ninety nine. very limited for me. It's just another excuse to, uh, to, to create more cards for, for that. So it's super, super fun. And it's something for the super fans to, to kind of really dive deep, deeper on a lot of those stories for that. So we're going to do it for not every card, but for, for a lot of the cards in the series. 
So I'm just going to go give a closer look at, at these other three really quickly. So there's the Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm. There's the Satchel. Now that we have it zoomed in, we can yeah. see it a lot better. Satchel Matic, that's so cool. And the Buxton. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. I, you know, guys, go check out his website. I have it streaming at the bottom of the of the on the ticker right now, and you can uh, you can go watch where to go the, this video right here as well. Uh, I did watch it. I don't remember exactly what it's about, but because I was late, but go check it out, everybody, along with everything else on uh, on DJ Ski's website. Okay, we're gonna go to a few comments here, and then we're gonna uh, then we're gonna move along. So, first of all. Uh, Joe says, appreciate all this intersectionality. Any plans for a tribute to Shock G in Project 70? Ooh, there's so many artists that I want to do. There's nothing on the on the radar yet, but I'm still filling out the list. I'm done with about, you know, six or seven of the cards and have ideas for probably another five of where they are. So we'll kind of see where they go. Michael Ham says, love Buxton, just needs to stay healthy, which I think is, uh, is very true. So good. I mean, Buxton is just such an exciting player. And that's one thing. Buxton's a good, good guy. Like I've gotten, you know, the, the, the pleasure of getting to meet and know him over the last couple of years. And I just don't think him being in Minnesota, which is a smaller market, he doesn't get the shine that he's really deserved. And, you know, came out as this big prospect. And, you know, I think they they brought him along very quickly. He's still so young, but he's just, to me, the most exciting player to watch out there with what he does both hitting. I mean, anytime he hits it, he could hit, he, he was leading the leagues in home runs before he got injured. He's also the fastest player in baseball without question. And just the best defender. It's just, it's so, he's so exciting. So I also did this card and I knew it would have a lower press run than others, but it was important for me one to, to do one for Minnesota, but to shine light on, on players that I also thought deserved it. So. Yeah. I think, I think it's important that you do stay true to yourself. So that's cool. Speaking of Minnesota, I, I read somewhere that uh, May 26th is a special day in Minnesota, right? Yeah, well, yeah. They, they they gave me my own day. May 26th is uh, DJ Ski Day, so it's uh, it it was you know I, I was blown away when I got the the news, and you know it's it's been great. I try to give back a bunch to the community as much as I can. It's so important for me to share that you know the, my story. Like, look, if I'm just a kid from Minneapolis that that made it and is living the Hollywood dream. I'm not even that special like anybody else can if I can do it. So it's, it's really important for me to give back. And we try to do a bunch of things. Obviously, you know, last year and, and this year have been a challenge with uh, with COVID. So there's nothing planned. But there's going to be some big, big things that we continue to do to support that in the future. What's the significance of May 26th? That was just the day they gave it to me. So okay. it was it was no, spe no specific significant day. It's just I happened to do it there and they gave me that proclamation. So that's cool. Well, congrats on that. Steve Sir says, hell yeah, fellow New Yorker. Again, you're born in New York, but raised and brought up in, in, in Minneapolis. Yeah, New uh, he goes on. I was, you know, that's where kind of I got, you know, my my initial hustle and instincts and where, you know, I was originally going to move to New York before I, I moved to, before Steve moved me to LA. So, and, and a lot of the New York hip hop scene is the people that put me on first. Sounds good, man. Steve Sir, uh, good luck with opening your blaster of UFC Prism while enjoying sports cards live. Good luck to you on that, Steve. Uh, and then Sean Robb, kind of a kind of an off-topic question, but you know, you're you know branding, you know marketing. And you know, I'm a hockey guy first, but I, I I'm into all sports. I collect just about everything there is. Can you what do you think? You see the question, what can the Minnesota Wild do to capture more hearts and minds? Is, have you worked with them at all? Do you plan to? Would you like to? Talk a bit about that. I'd love to. You know, I've done some stuff. We did something. We did um, a big charity for when uh, for social justice last year after George Floyd's death, obviously. And we worked, did some work with the Wild. And the team, the, the whole team there was incredible. So we did a DJ set 
we opened up where we went around to all the stadiums and facilities across the Twin Cities for pro sports. So everybody, the Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves, Wild, MNFC, all let us in, which which was great. Um, I go to games all the time whenever I'm out there. It's such a fun experience. Um, you know, unfortunately, when when I moved, I moved right when the Wild were coming to town. So I didn't grow up with watching the Wild, although I still support them because they're from Minnesota and and try to watch the games. And they, they are my hockey team that I do it. What can they do to capture more hearts and minds? I mean, hopefully we can make some moves and some, some noise in the playoffs. I mean, they have a great great young roster. And I think NHL has a big opportunity. They have a lot of growth room for the sport is, you know, a lot of people don't realize how exciting a sport it is, especially here in America. So I think that there's, you know, one of the, my, you know, my other business besides Dash is ski sports and we power entertainment for a lot of the NFL, MLB, NBA teams, and in certain leagues, like even Ice Cube's big three professional basketball league. Um, we work with, you know, things like the X Games, the Do Tour, all these various sports things. And, you know, I think there's a lot of crossover that the NHL has room to grow for, for bridging the gap between sports, music, culture, entertainment. And that's really what I'm trying to be at the center of, even with these cards, right? Like it's, there's so much, you know, I guess crossover, all of these athletes all want to be rock stars, right? And all these rock stars and rappers all want to be athletes and they all love each other. So, uh, and, and they go so hand in hand, the music is what inspires them and motivates them. And, uh, I, I think that there's a lot that can still be done. I think the NHL has a lot of room for growth and yeah, hopefully we can do more with them and hopefully we can help out and create some cool entertainment things in the future. Yeah, that, that'd be good. I think a lot of us would like to see hockey grow throughout the U S and, and, and the hobby to follow along with it as well. A couple of comments. D Cabral says the Wagner is beautiful. Uh, Eric Perry, Tito six Cub, use it back. My goodness. Giamaz, that Wagner card is pretty sick. Uh, Michael Ham, I like how he wrote your name at the end. I do enjoy this Wagner card. Good job, Ski, with the equal sign Ooh. and the big E. You know what's crazy? I've never written my name like that. With that, I'm going to steal that. Michael, thank you. I need to use that equal button on the keyboard. It's so obvious. I can't believe I haven't figured it out. I'm going to steal that, but thank you. Right? I think he I think he nailed it there. Good job, Michael Ham, fishing and sports card hobbyist. Uh, Stephen Foley says, I'm blown away with how you did this card. Shy Town Hustler uh, says, I've only bought a few, and that Honus is one for sure. That's Dave Slipka. Thank you, Dave. AM AJ15, amazing how much thought went into every aspect of these cards. I have to pick some up. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely true. Uh, Yamwak says, any plans for a Kirby Puckett? I mean, that's, that's probably the worst kept secret, right? Like, that, all I can say is there's something big, 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 big planned. That will be the definitive card, I think, of this this series. And, you know, for that, you know, I'm trying to, and, and thanks to everybody for taking note of what goes into it. I spend so much time on these and the stories and try to make like every detail be there for a reason. It's not just throwing it in there. And with the, with with future cards, we will definitely be telling some great stories and, you know, amplifying them with other partners is, you know, we really want to want to get these out and do it big, so. Yeah. And it makes sense. I I, I believe Yam is from uh, Minnesota as well. So it uh, makes sense that, that, that he'd have that in common with you and would like to see that card. Donovan Lucas says, congrats on everything, Ski. This has been fun to watch. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Donovan Lucas. And Michael Ham goes on to say, would love to see a Beastie Boys type card. That would be fire. Yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, and Donovan, yes, Beastie Boys, I've got mad hits like I was Rod Carew. There you go. There's yeah. a Gregory Sift threw in, he did a Rod Carew card, and he threw in a little uh, Beastie Boys homage to it. So shout to him. Yeah, right on. Very, very cool. Very cool. 
Okay, man. Let's uh, let's switch focus. I, I'm glad we got to cover uh, all of the all, all the Project 70 stuff. Let me ask you this. I think I actually I think we talked about it already, but the Project 2020 that pre predated Project 70. Yep. Were you were you blown away by this? Like I thought. Let me put it to you this way. Yeah. I thought that Project 2020 would bring in a bunch, a whole new segment into the sports card hobby because they would chase the art of the artists and then they would maybe transition to sports cards. I don't know really if that's happened or not. What are your thoughts? Did that happen? Could it happen? Speak to that if you can. I think it did. And I think like, look, so much of getting people into it, it's not a one-time thing. I'm gonna take it back to an analogy that that we do when we're working with artists and with, with brands. It takes, there's studies that show it takes about eight times for somebody to see something before it registers. Meaning if you're a new artist, if you're introducing a new product, you need to hit it over their head. And I think Project 2020 did is going to play a lot more role than than all the people that I did think it do think that it brought in because I think it was the entry point for a lot of people to start paying attention. Even if they didn't buy it, even if they didn't get in yet, it's like one of those things where it's like, all right, cards are here. These are cool. This is back. This is what's happening. This is what's doing it. So I thought it was a phenomenal project. I mean, I've, I personally have counted, I think I have like a hundred something cards from the set that I purchased last year. And, you know, it's it's been interesting being involved now as, as an artist on Project 70 and seeing kind of how it's a very different, you know, there it's a very different audience that's super loyal and super kind of dedicated towards that but it's its own kind of niche within the sports card community. And it kind of lives as an outlier. And there's some crossover, but there's a lot of people from the traditional hobby that aren't into it. And there's a lot of people that are just into Project 70 that aren't into the traditional hobby. So it's kind of sits in this middle ground. And there's a lot of people that I talk to that, that know and that are into cards and that are supporting and buying. And then there's others that just aren't into it, that just buy the traditional rookies and all those things. And that's fine. And I think that there's room for so many different types of collectors. But I think it has you know, not only brought in new people from directly those cards, but it's also making it more accessible and introducing it to new people. And it's going to be one of those moments that that helps push that boundary. And I think it's people are going to look back on it. And I actually think that all of last year's cards over time will have value is I think that there's going to be a lot more cards that you start seeing beyond just sports with different musicians, with different celebrities with different you know brands and things with artists and i think a lot of people are going to look back and project 2020 is one of those real early early things that, that did that and of course i could be totally wrong they could be worth you know nothing but I, I i am bullish on them i think long term i think that people are going to look back and see what the impact that it had in, in a big way all right sounds good um andy max says prince and pocket i mean that's a that's kind of an obvious uh potential yeah, that'd be crazy, right? Shout to Andy. <laughs> time will tell, Andy. And and Ski, time will tell. Aaron, Tom, back to Cards and Coffee. Where is the third store going to be located? Or is there a third store already? Yeah, we're working on it right now. I don't think it's been announced quite yet. We're close on a couple, but um, hopefully we'll be making it out to the to the East Coast soon. So, All right, there you go. There you go, a little hint there. And uh, Toa Hang, welcome to the show. It says, I think the way Ski explained it helps people in here appreciate the cards even more. Most people don't understand the technique and reasons for certain things in artwork. Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, I think that says it well. It's, it's 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 the benefit of having you on here to talk about what went in, what was going through your mind when you were creating all these designs. Okay, let's switch it up. I want to get into a bit more about sort of uh, yourself, what you're collecting. Um, 
let's and and how that translates to sports cards again this is sports cards live but i do like to dive into kind of the the psychology behind and the the parallels between say sneakers and sports cards so you have a serious serious sneaker collection is my understanding and you've got a serious sports card memorabilia a collection as well what what's what similarities do you see bet between sneakers and sports cards and what advantages or benefits or what do you like better about one versus the other sure so you know it's funny because i've been you know one of my other passions and love was 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 sneakers and that's how i actually made a lot of my money when i moved to to la originally it was you know i couldn't i wasn't making enough to afford my place so i was buying shoes from europe and importing them over here like different colors of jordans and air forces and i actually made a lot of met a lot of you know artists that way i was selling fat joe his shoes and a lot of these guys in that and i was just doing that so i could also afford to pay for the shoes that i really wanted i'd buy you know three sell two so i could keep one that was kind of my motto and um I, it's fortunate and this is before sneakers were were really cool and had you know I, I did a documentary called uh sneakerheads that's become kind of like the de facto documentary on kind of what the the whole sneaker culture is i was fortunate enough to be you know the first investor one of the first investors in StockX before it even had a the company even had a name and watch that growth is there you know the news states that they're planning for for an ipo this year so i've been fortunate enough to be you know watching that rocket ship and just see how that industry has evolved from something that was underground and on like very similar to cards on these small forums. There was like Nike Park and Nike Talk and these small kind of sneakerhead forums where we all would connect and to watch it become mainstream. And I think you're starting to see a lot of that happen with cards. And there's a couple different reasons. One, the sneaker scene has become so saturated right now. Like it's become so big, there's just not as much room for growth. And unfortunately, it's been taken over by bots who are buying up every shoe. You can't even get a rare pair of shoes that you want because there's a million bots buying for it at the same time, um, which is a big issue. It's keeping a lot of people out of it. Um, prices have gone up and you're, you're just not able to, to jump in at the same level. Um, meaning that I think that that industry is going to continue to grow, but it's already, it's, it's already so big. There's, you know, it's, it's going to just continue to kind of mature. It's not at the same velocity it did before. I, I think sports cards are in, in a different play are, are similar to that early on. There's still a ton of room for growth. A lot of these places, like, look, there's no StockX. It's still, e eBay is number one. There's there's a lot of marketplaces coming in. I mean, look at the amount of startups that are being formed over the past year in, in this space. And it's phenomenal from grading to marketplaces to back-end technology to companies that are powering insurance to fractional ownership. And, and I think we are just so early on in this sports card world. And I've seen a lot of people that were, and a lot of kids that were into sneakers is there's a very big overlap, right? Like there's sports first and foremost. People are buying sneakers because of Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant and their favorite players. They're buying their signature models. So it's kind of the same for sports cards. And for a lot of these kids who are hustling and making a living, flipping shoes, waiting in line, now they're, they're moving into cards, which are a lot easier to sell. They're more liquid. You don't have to worry about sizing. Um, you can, you know, with, with obviously grading, they're serialized and authenticated. You, you know it's authentic. So I think that, and there's also a lot more room to play with. You can go out and buy cards and make a bet. If I think that, you know, Wander Franco is going to be the next superstar, I can still go out and buy those cards right now, right? And I can make gambles, educated gambles on players. There's, there's a lot more room 
um, in, in kind of the space for that. So that, and I think that, you know, is, is that the, the sneaker market is kind of maturing that a lot of those people are going to start jumping over into cards and it was, it was already slowly happening, but the pandemic just really accelerated it. And I, I think by not having sports, there was nothing to, to gamble on, nothing to watch, nothing to interact with, nothing to go to. We all dove into sports cards. And I know I just spent my whole days like looking things up and finding things and, and diving in. And I think there's a whole new generation of kids that found out and got into it during the, that kind of downtime that, again, it was already going to happen, but like it was the perfect storm with, with COVID. So that's where I see so many kind of parallels. And I think that there's going to be, you know, multiple businesses and, you know, so many opportunities just in the sector as a whole that are born from that and companies that generate tremendous value and, and wealth for the creators there. Yeah. So aside from your connection with StockX uh, and, and knowing sneaker heads, uh, sneaker collectors through that, you must, I mean, and uh, not even besides, along with that, you must know a lot of sneaker collectors, a lot of people in that, in that space. Are, are you like, can you verify that many of them are moving into sports cards? I've seen a lot of people jump into it and also a lot of DJs. Like I, I look at DJs, we play an interesting role because we really are the messengers for culture, right? Like we take artists and we tell you who is good and by playing them, that's the historic role that DJs have had. And if you look at DJs, they've always been ahead of the trends with culture, with fashion, with sneakers. Like a lot of DJs were in the sneaker scene early. If you look at like some of the biggest sneaker heads, it's not only myself, it's DJ Clark Kent, it's DJ AM, it's you know, Ben Ball, DJ Ben Baller, like all these people started as DJs. So I think that, and it's been, I've been blown away by seeing all the DJs, especially since there weren't physical shows to do that jumped in and started doing breaks and unboxings live on Instagram. So, so absolutely. I'm seeing a, a, a ton, a ton of people kind of move into this as well as a lot of the sneaker flippers like moving in and now getting into the card scene. And, and a lot of them are entering through breaks is what it kind of looks like too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, you don't, you don't have to worry about sizing. My favorite thing is just the compactability of them. They're so much yeah. smaller, right? I mean, Transportable. I mean, I have a thousand pairs and it is a nightmare, right? Like moving, doing anything like it's, it's just, it's not that easy. And by the way, shoes age and don't air well. And like they could, like, there's a lot more things that can go wrong. They're, the the cards are very liquid. You can carry them in your pocket if you want it and, and trade. And, and it's a lot easier to look up value, especially with, you know, anything graded. Yeah, no, exactly. So, okay, let's let's talk a bit now about you're actually doing some sports card content. You've yeah. got you've got a show. I found it. I found it this past week. I watched all three episodes that were out at the time. You said you told me the fourth might have been dropping yesterday. I'm not sure if it has yet, but I will watch it once it does. It is called Card Clout, yep. and it's on the it's on a YouTube channel called Whistle. Yeah, yeah. So I watched all the episodes. And, um, you know, so, so you, you've had, you have a guest, you basically play sort of pack wars with them and you make a bit of a gamble, a bit of a wager, if you will. So the, I'll start, I'll leave the best one for last, the one I enjoyed the most, but you had an episode with Deshaun Watson, which was, yeah. which was really cool. You had an episode with Max Holloway, UFC champ. That was, that was pretty awesome, but you had an episode, nothing against those guys, but you had an episode with Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah. And it's really, guys, if you you know, what it is is it, it literally it's it's DJ Ski sitting at a table filled with cards, singles, graded slabs, wax boxes, some packs, and they're sitting at a table in in a room. I'm not exactly sure where you are, but you're, maybe it's in your office or wherever it is, and um, 
and you guys are just hanging out, sitting beside each other, talking cards. And Snoop is, you know, Snoop, Snoop a loop, right? Snoop is super cool, and he's just sitting there looking at all these cards. You're telling him all these things. He, and you're, you're giving him some some actual like data on what these cards might be worth. He's like, whoa, no way! Like he's totally impressed by it. But anyway, at the end of the episode, we're gonna do a spoiler. So you guys go watch it anyway. But at the end of the episode. I don't, I don't know exactly how it came about, but you give up a Kobe Bryant Topps Chrome rookie card, yeah. and you get back a classic car. Yeah, cutlass. I think it's, it was it a cutlass, a silver and black cutlass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Yamwax puts out, he puts out there. Did Snoop really trade you a car for a Kobe card? Yeah, helps. Let's hear the story. Let's hear the story from your perspective. Yeah. So Card Cloud, it's 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 been a fun series. We produce it at Dash and we've put out the first season through through our friends at Whistle. Um, and yeah, it's you know, for me, I wanted to create again moments that serve as entry points to the mainstream. So when you watch Card Cloud, it's something that you can enjoy as a sports card collector. We'll go in, we'll stay authentic and credible and, and on point with that. But it's also something that's accessible to somebody that has no idea what cards are. Remember, all these people, for the first time, when they're hearing about what they don't understand what grading is, what all these details that we talk about on shows like this with, with so much confidence is, is this audience is very sophisticated here. We wanted to create something that's very much more of an entry and touch point into getting into cards. And some of the, play, the, some of the hosts and, or some of the, I guess, should say uh, guests that we have on the show um, know about cards and have been collecting or bought some. Others have have no idea, but no sports. And I think sports cards are is is we just kind of broke down the, the storytelling behind, like even what I'm doing with Project Seventy. There's so many great stories between these athletes, and when we're sitting with some athletes and celebrities, they they have just incredible stories and insights around all of those. And I also want to get them like excited and impressed in the scene. So we do these things where, as you mentioned out, like we'll showcase everything from, you know, with, with Snoop breaking down cards and getting his feedback. Like, what do you think, who do you want? This is, you know, we filmed him the week of the Super Bowl, So it was Tom Brady or Mahomes, which do you want? He's like, well, you know, he's telling a story. Like, I think Mahomes is the guy, but Brady Tom's got the five, five finger Tommy, right? This is before he got the sixth. And then he goes into telling the story and how, you know, he like does all their parties and how Tom Brady called him and like getting all this great insight that, that came from that card. And, you know, he's just blown away by the values of this and instantly gets hooked up and we make a wager on each show. So I'm telling Snoop, like at the end, think of a bet, like with Deshaun, it was like, all right, I'll send you, you know, I think I was giving him like his camo prism rookie card. Uh, and he was gonna if he, if he pulled a specific card and I'd get a game worn Jersey, his, if, if, if I pulled his, um, and I ended up winning. So I got the game worn Jersey for, for Snoop. I was like, think of something. And he really wanted that, that Kobe card. Like Kobe is somebody that's so special to him. It's his favorite athlete. Um, somebody that he was friends with. He actually gave, and ironically enough, he gave Kobe an old school Lakers car that he had. That was one of his last gifts. And Kobe actually came. We film, We usually film them at, our, at my studios, um, but we film Snoop's at his space and on his basketball court. And that's where he gave Kobe a car, ironically. So he's like, man, I'll put up one of my cards for this this car. And, you know, we ended up having a debate on who who actually won. So we just decided to kind of kind of split it. And we gave Snoop his first big car. And, you know, Snoop actually got the better end of the trade, I think, financially. But I, I, I walked away with one of Snoop Dogg's cars. So it can't, it can't be uh, nothing bad with nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I, I watched that episode and at the end, I was just ear to ear, smiling, loving it. It was, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. Junk Wax Investor agrees. He says, the Snoop episode was awesome. Need to see more content like that. Pure gold. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it was great. It was just fun to watch. So you, what's the plan for, for, uh, for Card Club? Keep on going more and more episodes? Yeah, you know, we're going to do more. It looks like with Whistle, they want to they want to produce more. So we're excited with that. We're going to keep that that going. We just put up episode four yesterday with Jason Concepcion, who's a big NBA writer and host and really, really good insights. His is really, really fun because he has so much knowledge on that. We're just trying to get all these people in at the center of culture that know sports. He's a big card guy in general anyways, and he brings in some crazy stuff like some 1940s Wizard of Oz cards that we start talking about. It's it's a fun episode, and he's a big Knicks fan. And I hope none of you guys out there know any Knicks fans because I just can't hear anything but the end of them right now because they actually happen to be winning for once this season. So that's all they want to talk about. So we we go through that and uh, have some fun. But he's he's great. So yeah, there'll be many more many more to come. So stay tuned. Any future guests or or uh, pack war contestants you can tell us about? You know, we haven't, we've got it. We haven't booked it yet. So we've just got to shoot. And I, I, I've just been so busy with all these other things. I'm a little behind. We wanted to get a little them out a little faster. It's also been a challenge with COVID and getting people in and, and doing that, but it looks like all the regulations are finally coming out, coming off here. So I think you're going to be able, we're going to be able to, to amp up the velocity of how we, we release them. We've been doing about one every five or six weeks or so, um, but we'll, we'll get to a much better cadence. I mean, our goal is to do one or one every week or two. So well, you know, you know, I don't know what the lowest level celebrity is. Maybe it's a Z level celebrity. Maybe, maybe where I am. So I'm like a Z level celebrity. I, I'm willing to come on if you ever need somebody. I'll put Let's it out go. there. I love it, man. You, you better find a car to trade or something. You know, maybe I'll get one of those jackets. I like that upper deck jacket behind you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, it depends what you're going to put up for sure. Yeah, for let's sure. Let's go. <laughs> I, or I like this sports card collect our sports card seller says at this time of night, shouldn't it be called beer and cards? Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Eric Perry, the two of you are covering an impressively wide range of topics. The breadth of knowledge DJ spring DJ ski brings to the show is tremendous. Top notch guest. Thank you, Eric Perry. I thought so as well. For sure. For sure. Um, Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Zach Danner. I was just thinking how well-spoken and knowledgeable DJ Ski is until he said this audience was sophisticated. <laughs> Come on, Zach. I take pride in, in, in all of you guys out there right now. I, I do refer to this audience as sophisticated. I think you guys are for certain. Yamwax watched episode four with Jason Concepcion, said it was awesome. His Wicked Witch rookie was fire. That's very cool. Yeah. Hello, Joe R. from California. Great to have you. Dex Flow, good to have you. George Buss, good evening. <laughs> Dex Flow, no, the fake Jeff Wilson uh, has been blocked. Okay, I don't actually, maybe not, maybe not. All right, man. So you know what? When I was when I was planning to have you on the show, I did I did some research. I went and I found out what I could about you, and I found some some really cool things. I'm not going to show them. I'm just going to speak to them. And if there's anything that you want to add to it, because I thought it was really cool. Mark Cuban called you the Oprah of hip hop. Only in looks, only in looks. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark is my guy. Mark gave me um, my first TV show on on cable TV. I had a, a YouTube channel. I was one of the first kind of daily, I guess, vlogs. I didn't even have that word back then, where we were putting up a new show every single day called Ski TV and generated billions of views. We had, you know, we started producing music videos, interviews with everybody. We were really covering the culture, right? Like we do everything from behind the scenes at, you know, music shows, events 
we'd go out to, you know, places like, you know, we'd go to Oklahoma when Kevin Durant and Russ and James were all there and, you know, build a studio for them and document that. We'd go to CES and showcase the gadgets. We'd showcase the latest sneakers. And um, we really became this hub of culture. And I was known as being the first to break a lot of these artists. And Mark saw the content, sent an email out, was like, hey, uh, you know, he had just bought HDNet and rebranded into Access, which was trying to be a live music network. And he wanted me to do like the, the premiere music show there. Um, so we launched, we brought Ski TV to, to the, to the I, should, I should say this, from the, from the computer screen to the TV screen. And, you know, we had great, two great seasons there on Access before I moved to, to Fuse uh, for, for three other seasons there. So shout out to Mark, you know, he, he's still yeah. family. I talk to him all the time. I just did an event for him um, a couple weeks ago. So that's my guy. Yeah, no doubt. Well, say hi to him for me. Second one. Lady Gaga, I heard her say that you did her very first interview. I mean, she's yeah. she's mega, mega star type of celebrity. Tell us a bit about that. She's done all right. Yeah, I'm fortunate <laughs> enough in my career, especially, you know, when uh, I've, I've always had a love for introducing and kind of breaking people, you know, introducing the world to people. I think one of my special skills is identifying trends, artists, and talent early on and taking things that are already going to happen, like Gaga was going to happen with or without me. It's not like she did this because of me, but she was about to be at this inception point. And I put her on Kiss FM, which is the biggest radio station in the country where I was at the time and kind of did her, her first interview and helped break her. Same with like Post Malone, Travis Scott, Kendrick Lamar, uh, you know, even Bieber first, right? Like all these guys and, and, and girls early on, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do. And, and I think that's kind of what my unique skill is, right? Like, and that's what I'm trying to do with even the card world is introduce it, introduce it. Like this thing is already happening, but introduce it to a different audience in the mainstream. I think I, I kind of played a, a small role with that as sneaker culture evolved. And that's what I'm really trying to position myself in kind of this sports card world is, is really bringing in a, a different, you know, an, another generation and another set of eyeballs to the hobby. So, and Justin Bieber, you just mentioned it, but what I heard him say was that, and this was a young Justin Bieber, I guess it must have been 10 years ago, at first least, maybe yeah, more. I think his first radio interview. His first radio. So there's a clip I found, it was in the series of, of, of clips, and he says, he says, I get all my swag from Ski. I don't know if that's good or bad, so. Yeah, I don't know either, but. Shout out to JB, fellow Canadian, right? That's right. That, actually, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my Tragically Hip shirt tonight in, in the spirit of music. I love it. I love it. You familiar with the hip? Yep. Yep. Got a boy. Nice. Um, okay. And then lastly, uh, from what I saw, it seems like you were pretty close with uh, the, the departed Nipsey Hussle. Can you speak? I, and I know it's important to you and I think it's important overall. Tell us a bit about him and your relationship and um, whatever else you want to say about that. Sure. Nipsey, you know, Nipsey was one of those artists that I did his um, first kind of mainstream mixtape. They reached out to me um and and we connected he was always well he was super raw right like from the worst streets of south central california grew up in gang life like all those things like that's his environment that's what he grew up with but he was more focused than anybody out else and getting out of that it was his goal you know despite all the negativity around him to empower not only himself but everybody around him to be better. He was always constantly reading books. This is somebody that didn't have those typical mentors that had to make it from the roughest places and really did everything that that he could. And he was so inspirational that, you know, I wrote an article on 
on Drake at the time and why I was like, well, Drake could have been the first artist that blew up without signing to a record label. He didn't need it. And I was like, it's a shit, you know, he ended up signing to, to Universal and I was like, great. Like he's going to be huge. This is very early on in his career. But I wrote a whole like opinion piece, like, you know, that he, damn, he could have really been the first to almost disrupt the whole label system. And Nipsey just loved that is that he was all about being independent and on his own. Um, he was signed to Sony originally and through, you know, the situation just didn't work out and he was kind of left for dead and he, he worked his way up and he didn't want to go through being signed to a major label and wanted to do it all independently. So he started making all this noise again on his own. Um, and he reached out to me to, you know, not necessarily, you know, we ended up like managing him, but not in a traditional aspect. It was more business partners and figuring out how to build his brand so he could do everything that he wanted to. So, um, you know, it, it transitioned from us, you know, help me just helping him and doing projects and mixtapes and putting him on the radio and showing up at shows and doing things to us actually like partnering up under the ski music, all money and uh, umbrella. And from that, you know, he, what was so inspiring about him and what I really took away was just, he had this vision and he wanted to do it on his own. There, there were moments where we had major record label deals in front of us. And I was telling him like, hey, let's just take this. It's a, like a two album deal, three album deal. Like, let's be done with it. Let's use it to expose. And then we can go back to that. But he was just so steadfast and knowing exactly what he wanted and never compromising. And he did it his own way. And what was so interesting is once he passed away. If you look like statistically, he didn't have the biggest records. Like he didn't have the biggest music, the biggest charts, the biggest streams, but he had the respect. And we all knew that. But when he passed away, I mean, it was, I, it was on par, at least in LA with when Kobe passed, right. Which is like, Kobe's one of the biggest athletes of all time. I mean, Nipsey had a 27 mile procession through LA that was documented on all the news the, the the city shut down and I was in working with him. I had no idea the impact that he had. And, it, and again, it just goes that it was a reminder to me that if you do it the right way, his, his motive and kind of, you know, saying is the marathon, the marathon continues. That was his, his whole mixtape. And that's kind of what, what I live by is it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's for the long term. It's not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon and do everything with that long-term focus. And then it paid off for him. I mean, he, he like it was just the impact that he had on people from that community and what he was doing to redevelop that and how he'd put so many people on was just second to none and a lot of people just get caught up and see the the tattoos and know the the history of you know him being in gangs and he was like of course from that like you're a product of your environment but he was pushing to get so much out of that and just so inspiring to me and taught me so much and really like re-energized me even after his passing to like stay true to what you want and what you believe in and don't compromise for anything. Yeah, it's a great message. Thanks for sharing that. And I know that uh, you were close, so um, appreciate that. So some other things that you're involved in, I do, I, I want to talk about, we're going to get to this just so the audience knows, we're going to get to sort of your view on the future of the hobby. I've also seen that you are, a, you, and you've mentioned it before, spotting trends, a bit of a futurist. So I'm, I want to pick your brain as to how you see the hobby. What does the horizon look like out a few years from now, as far as you want to take it? Before that, I just want to touch on a few of the other ventures that you're involved in um, and is, and ones that are hobby related. So your, your main business is Dash Radio. I downloaded the app the other day. I started listening to some music, found a nice 80s station. It was really cool. So thank, and hey, it was free. So that was, that was pretty awesome. So so, uh, you know, I kind of kind of quickly between uh, Dash Radio and Ski TV, tell us a bit about those projects of yours. 
Sure. So Ski TV is what we started early on, right? That kind of um, that was started as a YouTube channel, became a TV show. And, you know, we, we were almost too early for, for what we did. We were shooting music videos. We were the first company to really shoot them digitally while everybody was still using film and kind of changed the way the industry looked at that. We, in essence, built, in essence, like what Vivo was, this hub for, for music content before others others had done that. And as that, as, as that evolved, right, like then, you know, I just saw there being this big opportunity. Radio is my foundation. I started when I was 16 in Minneapolis, worked my way up to being on Sirius X and where I was for 10 years here in the U.S., and iHeartRadio and Kiss FM for seven years, including help launch the, the iHeart brand and app. And we just saw there being a big opportunity um, as kind of, you know, the, the future distribution mechanisms changed because of the internet. Cars were coming built in with connected devices. So there was no need for satellites or AM, FM antennas. And long-term, we really looked at what was happening in like gaming in the metaverse. And that's why we launched Dash to kind of power music across these next generation of devices. And that's what's been really my focus and why I left Sirius and left iHeart and started this company and went out and raised money and put together just, you know, such an incredible team um, around us to, to build what we think is going to be, you know, the future of, I guess, empowering music and in essence being what, you know, almost playing that same role that MTV played when, when I was growing up in terms of giving this distribution and connection to to people. So that's, that's really become, you know, that's, that's my main stuff in my life. And, you know, on the weekends, we have the ski sports stuff where we, you know, that's just my excuse, honestly, to, to go to games and to be on the sideline and on the field at, at, uh, at my favorite things and interact with athletes. So. Okay, cool, cool. Another thing I learned about you is that you were, you were one of the, or if not the driving force behind the brand Beats by Dre, which yeah. I think everyone's heard of Beats by Dre by now. What, uh, what does that mean? You were the driving force behind that. And, and how, do, how do you apply that to, to Cards and Coffee, if you will? Yeah, sure. So I had, it was interesting. When I moved to LA, I was always DJing, but I, I, I was fortunate enough in my career to learn the industry and business side of things first, which is what's helped me so much later on. So I got known in the industry for doing things with, with companies like T-Mobile, with, with Chrysler, we introduced the 300 Magnum and chargers through like product placement and all these things. And, and another product that, I, that helped early on, I remember seeing, we were working with a company called Monster and obviously very close with the Interscope, which, you know, was Dr. Dre's label run by Jimmy Iovine at the time and, and doing a lot of videos with them. So at the same time I was doing Ski TV and all those videos, they were launching this new call, a product called Beats by, by Dre. And I was like, me being a DJ and into to technology, and I was like, this is so genius, this is gonna work. Like, let's get down. So we helped, you know, do all the initial early on marketing for them. They were paying us to put it in all our music videos. We were helped developing the campaigns, building DJ programs. I still have the, oh, it's in my office. It's not here. It's the the first headphones made, like that says the sample on it from like whatever year that was. Uh, but it is great. And, you know, Dre is just an icon and, you know, the greatest hip hop producer of all time. And somebody that's, you know, become, you know, a legend in circles. And I've been fortunate enough to interact with, with him over the years. So yeah, you know, you know, I was able to help play a small role in, in, in building that, you know, billion dollar brand for, for them very early on on the, the headphone side. So it was, it was so much fun. Well, don't lose track of those early, that, that first sample set you have. Oh, that, right? That's a, that's a humongous collectible right there. I would have to oh, think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got it. I got to get Dre to sign it or something. That's what I should do. That's actually a good idea. Reminds me of the first Apple computer, right? Signed by uh, by Jobs and Woz, right? Similar, right, yeah. similar, 
similar collectible. Yamwax's ears are perking up right now. Yamwax uh, loves the 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 pop culture kind of collectible type of thing. So he says the NFT IRL combo is the future of collectibles, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, sports card seller reminds everybody to hit that thumbs up button. Thank you for that sports card seller. And Michael Ham says uh, thank you, Jeremy, for these interviews and and that and thank you, Ski, for being available and helping grow this hobby. So let's let's. I want to move into the future of the hobby, but before we do, one more project that you're involved in is called Mint Ten. Yeah, it's a collectible alternative asset fund. Um, speak to Mint Ten. What is it? What's your involvement? Sure. So you know, early on, when I when I was really going heavy with with cards, um, you know, I, I, we've raised a bunch of money. I have a lot of friends in the venture capital industry and just great investors. And I was sharing kind of my excitement with some of them on sports cards. They're like, what, what is, what's going on? I, I hear about all these things all the time and got connected with a couple. There's, there was a couple of people, um, two brothers, Carter and Courtney, who run a big venture fund called M13 out here, you know, tremendously successful investors, startup founders in, in the past. Um, and, and Carter's actually, you know, engaged to, to Paris Hilton right now. And we've always been friends and looking and hadn't really worked together on things. We'd always believed in, in co-invested in different projects, but they actually, they have a crazy story too. Like their father was the CEO of Interlake. And if you guys know this Interlake Jordan card, he's the one that made that basically and did those things. So he was the one, he was like, yeah, our dad was dumb to sponsor this, you know, his Interlake being this like B2B company, he sponsored the Bulls and they created these cards for it. And so we get to go to games and stuff. So they'd been collecting things and we kind of decided to, to all team up and throw together what what I was doing. I mean, I believe in the the, the, the business opportunities, of course, in, in this hobby. And um, we decided to kind of team up uh, and put together, throw all our cards in, in the mix together, as well as, you know, we're of the belief that there's going to be tremendous value born from this industry from a lot of the startups in it. You know, when I look back at my successes in sneakers, right, like I, I was fortunate enough to do collaborations and work with all the brands, to do documentaries, to host events, to have a tremendous collection that's, you know, that's hopefully grown in value over those years. But the biggest success will become from, you know, the deal flow that I got being in there and investing in a company like StockX, where a small check early on at seed stage becomes, you know, very significant when you're talking about companies valued at billions of dollars and you're getting in literally day zero for that. And we believe the same thing is going to happen in the card space. And, you know, so we decided to kind of partner up and approach the space together to pool our resources and knowledge and launch this kind of alternative asset fund that invests in the entire sector. So yes, we are buying cards and have, you know, already, you know, seven figures worth of, of cards and, you know, an incredible, we have a very, you know, unique strategy, the way that we approach the fund there from a, a growth perspective, but also investing in the startups and helping them out there. And we've made some, you know, we were one of the investors in Geniment that was just acquired from by PSA. Um, we've been fortunate enough to invest in other companies like Collectible, uh, that, that's doing tremendous. I mean, Wax on the insurance side, there, there's a whole list of, of others out there, Knox, which I'm super excited about. And, you know, for us, it's this unique kind of fund where we have our, our money allocated between, you know, it's leaning even heavier on startups than we initially planned just because 
we've had a lot of success there and they know that world better than anybody else running this massive fund. And, you know, we know how to kind of tie things together and, and take the knowledge that we have and the beliefs, like we're all betting on this industry. So it's a way for us to put our money where our mouth is and kind of pool knowledge and resources and, and also service investors with a unique way if they want to participate in cards without having to know what to buy and what to do. Um, we've brought on a great, you know, a great fund manager who's just, you know, his knowledge in the space is second to none. He's been in the scene for a long time, MBA from Wharton. So we've really built, you know, an incredible, you know, team around us and, and are super, super excited about the future of the industry and cards. And that's where, you know, I've put all my investments through that and where I'm running all my investments through right now. And it's been, it's been just a great experience. And we still think there's just so much potential in the space. Okay, so great segue then, man. Because I was curious about the mint ten thing, and I did I did see somewhere that there was a, a connection to Genement Collectible and Wax. So you've explained that uh, that they're their investments. So that's really cool. You're not just investing in cards; you're investing in the whole industry itself. That's encouraging. Great segue into what you're excited about as far as the future of the hobby goes. I mean, you've already said quite a bit on it, so I'm going to ask you sort of let let's talk about any let, let's 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 go the other way any concerns you have about the hobby being accessible to the next generation and what what you think we can do as a hobby to overcome absolutely i mean for for kids it's just you know packs of the prism and things that you want right like it's just i mean you saw what we all saw what happened at target the past week where they had to formally i mean it was going that way anyways where they had to stop selling stuff because people are literally getting shot over cards in the parking like People are waiting and just it's and look that happens. We saw it happen with sneakers, right? It's supply and demand. So there's not a good answer, and I'm glad I don't have to to solve that issue. But I think number one is that we need to make it accessible to kids and find ways to get packs in the hands of the next generation, and and get them to have fun with it. But um, in terms of concerns, like I'm, I'm excited about so many things, we can jump into that. But since you're talking concerns, like I'm absolutely concerned about the production levels of some of these cards, right? Like you see and and. Like, I'm scared. Let's see what happens once this backlog from PSA comes back. How many of a lot of these cards are in the marketplace? It'd be Pokemon cards that, you know, I'm, I'm scared a lot of people hadn't rated them over the years and they didn't even know what it was. They saw the values go up. So there's probably millions of Pokemon cards just sitting there waiting to be graded. And what happens when those pop reports creep up? What happens when, you know, we see how many Zion Prism rookies are, are out there. And, you know, even if he turns out to be a great player, like some of the pricing on this is there. And also like, look, I'm scared of everything in general right now in terms of, you know, investments, not sports cards. I mean, sports cards happen to be a part of that, but everybody's winning. Every market is up. If you invest in stocks, you're winning. If you invest in art, you're winning. If you invest in cards, you're winning. If you invest in anything, you're winning in that, like if you buy houses, you're winning. If you buy a car, you can buy a car and sell it for more than MSRP just because of, you know, the amount of cash going in there. So I'm, I'm scared of what inflation, what is going to happen with that. And, you know, while, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we've obviously come out of COVID strong some, somehow, which I didn't, didn't expect and is I'm so thankful for, it just doesn't seem maintainable. And when you look at the velocity of how quickly and, and cards are right at the center of it, but it's no different. I mean, it would have been the same if you invested in stocks, everything grew so quickly and so much people expect that same returns. I don't think we're here for the same velocity. So I'm concerned and I'm so concerned about, you know, obviously just seeing what happens when, you know, we see the population and, and how much demand is there for that. And it, we'll see what those true prices are are for those things. So those are kind of two areas of concern. One is sector agnostic and the other is specific in terms of just production. And 
getting it in the hands of kids. We've got to find a way to do that or to create products that are still fun and that can be valuable that aren't just being taken by breakers, that aren't just being taken by, you know, people trying to, to flip it because what's well, good in the short term, it, it can hurt long term. It's just going to turn, it's going to price a lot of people out, which sucks. So I was going to say, like, any ideas on how we can keep it interesting and, and well, not more, not interesting, but accessible to the to young people? Yeah, I think there's got to be ways to, to get product in the hands of, of people, right? Like, there's got to be ways to, there's got to be better ways to identify who the consumers are and build those relationships. And that's what I think is, you know, very good about a lot of the local card shops is the fact that they can know who's like buying and selling and doing those, you know, who's who's in it for the right reasons. And I think they're great distribution mechanisms um, because if you just go to tops, right? Like anybody could buy those and it's robots. Like you see it with the APs on my cards, like they'll be sold out before they're even, people even have a shot at it because it's just bots that take it over. And it's a lot of those kids coming over from sneakers because it's like, look, if, if you're selling something, why would you like anybody, if you could buy something for, 180 bucks that's worth 400 instantly we all would buy it right like it's why why not so you know it's it's a challenge you want to keep that supply and demand because you need to keep the market cooler but i think it's just coming out with the right products and figuring out unique ways to get it in the hands and making sure that it's getting to the right consumers the people that are buying and collecting and figuring a way to track that and to to open up those systems and and I guess built into that loyalty, but it's, it's a tough one. You know, I'm glad I don't have to solve that, but I wish I had, I had more answers and ideas there and would, would love to hear people out there's thoughts and ideas. Yeah, I know. Very fair. Okay. And as far as volumes and populations go, you know, the backlog of PSA kind of eventually getting, making its way into the marketplace. What do you have any sort of advice on what we as collectors and sports card investors can do to, balance that out like i have some ideas i'm wondering what you think about that yeah like or to to avoid any potential pitfalls that could be coming even yeah i mean one don't send every card into psa out there like you know that was the that was the challenge in talking and i i I toured the facilities you know a couple weeks ago and by the way i've got to say i was blown away by the level of detail that they go into when they review these cards. I mean, it's not, it is a true process. I always like assumed it was like a guy in a dark room, like looking at it and going through that whole system, like the, the infrastructure they've built is phenomenal. I was blown away seeing it in person and seeing how many hands each card goes through. That being said, we don't need to degrade everything. That's one of the challenges that they have is they're like, look, People just send it. And, and one of the challenge mistakes that I think PSA made that led to this, and this is what I think new ownership is going to help fix, is the, the submission forms and the way it was submitted was very archaic, right? And people would send them in in different lists. So then you're stuck with all these people sitting there ripping boxes and cards aren't in the right cases and they have to like go and audit and it just takes a lot of time. So I think you're going to see much more streamlined submission things for that. Um, and obviously the Geniment acquisition, hopefully really, if they can get that rolling and the product is phenomenal. I mean, when we saw Geniment early on, the reason that, that we invested was because the technology, they really got it and were doing it and had proven it. And it's like robot umpires in baseball, like computers do things, can do things better. They can say exactly how accurate it is. So I think that will, will really help that. But, um, I think, you know, for investors out there, it's, it's don't send everything out there and also be conscious of that and don't fall into the hype. Like it's so easy. And we see it every week with the car, with the card industry, right? Like there's a new card or a new player that we all have to have. Like you don't have to buy into those buying cycles and be smart and just do the, do the understanding. Like 
one key thing is like, no matter how great, you know, Luca or, or Zion can be, look at how many cards are out there. And then look at like other players that have already been established. And it's still like, if you look at the pop reports of established hall of famers, Tim Duncan or somebody, right. And Tim might not be the most exciting. He might not, you know, there's, there's swag and other things that, that go into it, but you know, it just comparatively looks extremely undervalued. So I think it's just looking long form at, at what's smart, not getting caught up in, in the height of the moment of today. I think taking it back a little bit. I mean, I'm shocked at the prices of still some of these Hall of Fame players across all sports. And it's where I, one area that I'm focused on buying some of that stuff right now, just because I think people are just so focused on what's new and what's next and ripping and breaking that. And I've, I've tried to stem, stem away from that. You know, it's fun to rip stuff, but from, from an investment perspective, it just doesn't make sense. No, you're right, man. It's flavor of the week has always been a, a way of the hobby. But my my sort of advice or the way to deal with it is just rarity and scarcity. You know, there there are we we have cart. You can you can go for a base prism or you can go for a, a numbered parallel. You know, even a silver prism is is a very uh, a widely available card. Yeah. So my recommendation to to a is to look to more rare numbered cards where where the quantity out there is actually known and finite. So. I mean, a hundred percent and transparently, like that's what we do in the fund. I mean, we have very smart brains, like we have our passions and that's, what's so great about it, but we're also operating and using other people's money behind ours. And that's one of our key theses is that we believe that rare numbered parallels, because you know exactly how many there are, how many silver Zion prisms are there out there. There might be a few, might be a lot, but just the price disparity doesn't make any sense. And we see it across sports in so many sectors. So that we think that the value is going to be, and I personally believe the value is going to be holding things that you can serialize and identify. And that's why I'm even making my companion cards and those cards. So they're serialized and you know what they, they, they are and what exists. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Lindsay Jameson says after tonight, I feel like Tim Duncan will go big. I got to tell you, I, I watched him today and uh, he was, he was very well spoken for a guy who admittedly doesn't like talking to people. <laughs> he said that tonight and uh, you know, just doesn't like, doesn't like being a, uh, public speaking he spoke very well he he his his outfit his hair were on point he looked tight like everything was everything was pretty good for him tonight i thought yeah. um okay let's uh we're gonna start to wrap this up i do want to do we do have time so why don't we get into what i like to call the sports cards live five i did prep you for this the other night we're gonna go through the five questions and um get your answers for the well that's a bottle of water did everybody see that on a day got to be healthy. Got to be healthy in the pandemic. Uh, you know, make sure to really focus. Make sure you drink your water, kids. Yeah, but did you guys see how big that 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 container was? Keep it around all day. I mean, I used to go through just bottles all the time. One, I want to be better for the environment. And, you know, I think, I mean, that's a whole other story. But it just is easier for me to kind of carry around and keep me on track for that. I'm actually a little behind today, so. Yeah, but that thing's heavy when it's full, dude. Come on. It's another, it's another workout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. Um Let's get into it right now. Very quickly, Big Unit says, great show, great guest. Thank you, Big Unit. Lindsay says, his story was so wonderful. Yes, it was, being Tim Duncan. And here, Willie T says, grading cards isn't always about the grade, but the preservation, just like framing a picture, adds value and makes it last. Yeah, very true. I agree with that. And Joe R says, great chat, fellas. I'll just add to Willie T, also authentication, not just grading, but yeah. authentication is very important as well, if not That's more important than grading. And by the way, that's one other thing that I'm scared of for this hobby is I'm scared of, we're starting to see fake cases, fake slabs. I'm really, and this is where like NFTs and RFIDs and like a lot of technology that, that, that hopefully some of these grading companies can roll out can come into play because like 
looking through slabs, you know, there's, there's a lot more. And especially as the industry gets more high profile and more money in there, just be careful with what you buy. Like, even if you check the serial number, like you really check to make sure that nobody's like pried it out of the case, that it doesn't look tampered with. And if you have questions or if the deal is too good to be true, it is. Don't yeah. like, don't fall into, into those traps. So that's one thing that I'm scared about. I think we really need to figure out how to, to combat that is there's something that I bought from a, a major auction house recently that I was shocked. It looks tampered with. And I was like, how did this get by there? And I was just super frustrated and disappointed when I looked at the, the card and it looked pretty clearly like somebody pried it open and, and also glued it back together. So. Okay. Well, good luck with, with that, uh, that issue for sure. Um, okay. And yeah, Joe Light, Tim Duncan's hair, though. I thought his hair looked good. I mean, he's, he's a cool looking cat. Okay. Let's get into the question. The first question, and it was asked before, I believe Michael Ham asked the question about 40 minutes ago. What's your favorite card in your personal collection? Ooh, favorite one. I mean, now I'm going to say it's one of mine because I have, I've been able to collect my, so having my own, like, you know, I love the, the satchel card, all, all the tops ones, but if, if we take it away from that, I'd say my favorite there's it's going to be tough to choose just one so i have the i'm still looking for a psa 10 of that upper deck electric diamond griffey there's just a few out there and i just went cheap on the auction the one i saw available and i should have won it and i didn't um, but that's still one of my favorite ones of course i have you know all the pocket rookies i love the uh visalia oaks uh the little minor league card which is pretty crazy but i love the design of the both the tops and the early Fleer ones, the actually the second year Fleer where he's the, the baby blue, um, baby blue twins jerseys. Um, I'm trying to think. Randy Moss, like I'm a big fan of the 98 upper deck authentic SP card, especially the die cut. Um, and it's a, again, one of those rare numbered parallel cards. Favorite one, we have a, uh, we have one of the rare trouts uh the black trouts out of 60 2011 that i like and of course the t206 like just a cigarette anything that old in the vintage and the cob ooze it which i love because the pop report on that is like it's actually less than the the honus uh, on those things so so love having that just that that bit of history okay man we'll take it we'll take it question number two is what is your highest what, what's highest on your want list right now what's the neck what's the what's the most important card for you to acquire Ooh, there's so many. I want to get that Griffey just because it's my favorite in a PSA 10. So if you guys have an electric, yeah. and it's not that expensive. It's like literally like four or 500 bucks if I could find it. So if anybody sees it, it's just about availability. Um, you know what I just got that I love is, uh, I think it's from, I forget what year. I think it actually might be the same year as the 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 signed, the dual signed mantle Griffey. Um, yeah. I just love, love that card. I mean, Griffey was, was an icon. So I just finally um, got one of those. I'm trying to think. Um It'd probably be a, a high, like a one. I, I don't have like a super fractor of like of any great recent baseball guys, like of rookies. Like I want to get something just crazy, crazy. Like I need just like one crazy thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like. Well, like don't I'm, go I'm shopping for it right now. What? Don't go shopping for it right now. I know, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> With that, where is your favorite place to buy cards or, or, or platform or whatever? Favorite place? Um, I mean, beyond doing direct deals with people, I mean, I think eBay is generally the most transparent and easiest. I mean, I love what my slabs does when you can find things on there. Um, but but I still think eBay is kind of the the, the standard and the, the and the you know the simplest place to to do it in the most fair market. Cool. Question four is: If you could change one thing about the hobby, what would it be? 
accessibility to to the next generation, right? Like making it and, and just for everybody too. Like it, it sucks that we can't rip all the packs that we want. Like I don't save wax. I can't like, I just sit here. Like if it sits here, I'm going to open it and break it. Um, so I hope that we can get into the right hands of that. And, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I think it's just accessibility. Accessibility makes good sense. And the, the fifth question is what is your biggest hobby regret? A purchase, a, a purchase you made or didn't make a sale you made or didn't make. I see. Great question. Biggest regret. I mean, missing things like stupid ones like that, like going, what I've learned too, is there's times like when I was going for that Griffian auction on eBay, I was like, ah, I bid and somebody outbid me by like a little. And you're like, what is like, I would have spent 200 more now. Like just being cheap. If you really want something like, especially something rare, you don't know when it's going to come by. So make sure you, you get it and don't cheat because you're going to pay more later. Even yeah. if you're overpaying a little now, like get out of the headspace of like, what did the last exact sale go for and not go for that? I've gotten caught up in that drama. Like go, if you think something is there, it's, it might be worth overpaying, especially if it's super rare. So I think like missing out on a couple of things like that, just being, you know, kind of stupid. So I, I agree with you, man. You know, the last comp isn't necessarily what the next card should sell for. So well said, I completely agree with that. Okay. Thank you for participating in what I call the Sports Cards Live Five. All right, we are we're gonna wrap this up. So I'm gonna we're gonna go for about another 60 seconds here. DJ Ski, uh, I'm gonna give you a chance for any final comments, message to the audience, anything you want to say. Now is your chance. We'll do a couple more comments from the from the crowd, not questions, and then we're gonna wrap this up. And we will be back uh, with after hours in about 15 minutes time on the same channel with Adam Gray, editor-in-chief of the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. So I'll open it up to you. DJ Ski, any final uh, any final comments? First up, thank you, Jeremy, for having me, man. What you're doing is wonderful, and I think great for the hobby. And shout out to everybody that's out there watching and commentating and participating and helping spread it. I mean, we do this. I think most of us are all here for the right reasons and for, for that true passion. It happens to be that there's good investments and things behind it, which is a bonus. But, you know, like if we could, there's other ways to, to do that. So, so I'm excited to be here and, and, and feel free to reach out to me anytime. I love um, connecting with fans. The best places to engage with me is if you follow me on social media, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um, it's just at DJ ski Twitter as well. Um, and, and by far I'm most active in my discord. So um, the link to my discord, it's a little complex. So just go in my, I have a link in my bio on both Twitter and Instagram, and it'll take you to my discord server, which I think is, there's a lot of great communities that discord powers. Um, and we're trying to build a really good card one in there. So come jump in, say hi, we'll be super active. And I, I really hope you guys enjoy the, the tops projects drops that I'm doing. I, I'm really going all out and spending way too much time on each release with all the details, just because it's something I'm having so much fun with. And I hope I can continue to do these drops and products. And that's why I'm so focused on building my uh, companion cards and other lines. So I can keep carrying this on with or without Project 70 and other things. And there's some really, really fun things we have in the works. So I really appreciate all the support. Anything you guys can do to spread the word on all of that is super, super appreciated. And yeah, if you guys ever come up across any Minnesota sports memorabilia, I'm your guy. If you guys ever end up at a Vikings or Twins game and you're out there, come up and say, come up and say hi. And yeah, um, hit me up in, anytime. But Jeremy, thank you again. Yeah, man. No, it's great to have you. Thanks for those kind words. Thanks for reaching out to the audience. Appreciate that. We're going to run through the final comments. Then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end the broadcast. You will stay right there for an extra minute. We'll talk in the back. Uh, Yamwax is invigorated about the hobby after this chat. Thanks, guys. No problem, Yam. Great to have you. Joe Light, same with him. 
says uh, DJ Ski's energy is infectious. Steve Tingwall, quality as always. Thank you very much, Steve. Steve Menzi, owner of the Sport Card Expo. Enjoyed the show. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Junk Wax Investor. Bobby Baseball, another great sports cards live. Thank you so much, Bobby. Steve Foley says, amazing show. I just became a huge DJ Ski fan. That's awesome. Tony Sin, a name I haven't seen. Killer show watching in Tokyo. Welcome Ooh, to the show, Tokyo. Tony Sin. How awesome is that? Joe Light says, sharing this episode. Great episode. Thank you so much, Joe. Much appreciated. All right, guys. I'll be back in about 12 minutes with Adam Gray on After Hours. Be sure to join us for that. Thanks again to DJ Ski. We'll see you all on After Hours. If not, we'll see you back here next Saturday for another episode of Sports Cards Live. You hang out one second there, Scott, please. And Friday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.